Before we begin, don't forget that if you want to hear this episode ad-free, then sign up to our members channel. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes. Members will get exclusive access to all episodes of Smoking Gun, completely ad-free, before anyone else. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There were so many to choose from. Rows on rows of plastic, all purporting to do different things. Blue ones, pink ones, green and yellow. There were different levels of firmness, some round, some oblong, some simple and child-friendly, and others more advanced. So many options to do the same task. It's an aisle the man had walked down infinite times before, like most people have, and he paid little attention as he grabbed a new toothbrush from the shelf and threw it into his shopping cart. At home, he unwrapped it and placed it in the bathroom, and every action involving the toothbrush thereafter, morning and night, was instinctive. A habit billions of people around the world share, one of the most humble and commonplace items in the world and part of our collective daily rituals, something so inconsequential. But this particular toothbrush, it turns out, would have very significant consequences indeed. In fact, it would become a key piece of evidence which not only changed the outcome of a trial, but put a killer behind bars. My name is Sarah Henderson. I've always been fascinated by the world of forensic science, the amazing ways in which crimes can be solved and the clues which can be found almost anywhere. And my name is Tracy Alexander from Forensic Response UK. I've spent years inside these processes, searching for those clues. I've dedicated my career to using science to help the course of justice. And my work has ensured that hundreds of criminals have gone to prison and the wrongly accused go free. Together, we're going to lift the lid on some of the most extraordinary cases from around the world. We'll discover how, with the help of science, everyday items have become the key to catching a killer. From What's the Story Sounds, this is Smoking Gun. 
the toothbrush. Francesca's brother and his friends had been knocking for 10 minutes. Why wasn't she answering the door? Or her phone, which he'd been ringing all morning. Francesca had rented her home on 12612 East Kansas Drive for years now. Aurora was a great place to live. Colorado's third largest city, bustling, picturesque. She loved it. And she loved her first floor apartment. It was a place that her brother and their joint group of friends knew as well as their own. A home from home. A place for the friends to congregate, with Francesca as the host. It was a role she thrived in. So it seemed strange that on this occasion, she wasn't readily opening the door. As he knocked, her brother thought through the possibilities. He knew she'd been to a local club the night before. Maybe she was ridiculously hungover and laid up in bed. That was certainly possible, but it was still unlike Francesca to not answer the phone, whatever state she was in. Maybe she's in the shower, one of them suggested, or has the blow dryer on. They knocked a little louder, hoping they'd attract her attention. But as the minutes went by, it seemed less and less plausible that Francesca simply couldn't hear them knocking on the door. And they knew she wouldn't have gone out of town before letting them know. An unsettled feeling crept over the group. One of them tried the door, in more than expectation, and it was unlocked. Would it be a gross invasion of privacy to let themselves in? But what greeted them inside that day, the 1st of July 2006, more than justified their method of entry. Because inside, Francisca Perea Dominguez, aged 42, with her shiny black hair and a perpetual smile on her face, lay on the floor of her bedroom, a large pool of blood fanning out around her. There were bruises on her right upper arm and neck and contusions and abrasions elsewhere on her body. Her brother wailed, shouting his sister's name, trying to rouse her, but he didn't touch her. He'd watched enough crime shows on TV. He knew better than to contaminate a crime scene. And no one was under any illusion this was an accident. As one of them reached for their cell to dial 911, the horrible truth settled across the men. Francisca had been murdered. Denver police were at the apartment within half an hour, at around 3pm. They cordoned off the scene and tried to talk to the clearly distraught brother and friend who were there to greet them. Neighbours had congregated in the hallway, some trying to give the officers information, others just watching events unfold, hands over their mouths in shock. Inside the apartment, officers stood around the site of the murder, the victim's bedroom. From the blood pooled around the woman's body and seeping through her top, it was quickly established that the likely cause of death here was exsanguination 
from a single stab wound to her left side. But they weren't gathered to work out a cause of death. That would be a job for the medical examiner. These officers needed to build a picture of what had happened and to see what clues remained. And on Francesca's body, they found something which just didn't seem right. Francesca appeared to be dressed. She was wearing shorts. And underneath, Francesca wasn't wearing any underwear, which explained the torn and bloody knickers which lay two feet from her body. Francesca's killer had clearly put her shorts back on after committing his crimes, which looked very likely to include sexual assault. So had this been a sexually motivated attack? Had a stranger followed Francesca home from the nightclub? Or had she brought someone home with her, not knowing their sinister intentions? Whatever the scenario, cops had to begin with the most likely. In the majority of sexual assaults and murders, the attacker is known to the victim. And there was no one closer to Francesca, in proximity at least, than her roommate. So it was this man that police immediately trained their focus on. He wasn't in the apartment, and phone calls to his cell revealed that his phone was off. They needed to speak to him, urgently. As with any crime scene, the presence of police vehicles and a private ambulance always draws a crowd. Neighbours had been ushered from the hallway out into the open air behind a cordon, and the numbers there swelled, bubbling with rumour and debate over who was dead, who was responsible, and just what had happened. While the senior detectives and scenes of crime officers built their picture inside the house, it was more junior uniformed officers standing guard outside and keeping the gathered mob a safe distance back. So when one of those officers walked up to the leading detective, informing him that one particular neighbour was insistent she speak to him, it wasn't immediately clear what she might need. Fearing this might be an overzealous onlooker wanting to rant about security or the state of policing, the officer sighed. But he was wrong to underestimate the power of a nosy neighbour. Without preamble, the lady told the detective that she'd heard loud bumping and thumping, or what sounded like wrestling, coming from Francesca's apartment between 11.30 and 12am that day. The officer's attention now fully engaged, the neighbour continued with her story. Around an hour later, she had been heading down the hall to take some trash out, and she saw a man leaving Francesca's apartment. She'd seen him numerous times before, and gave police a summary of what she'd witnessed. He was Hispanic-looking, she said, and he seemed flustered that day, definitely in a hurry. She also confirmed he was wearing a white cowboy hat, which, based on testament from Francisca's brother and other neighbours, confirmed the man was very likely to be Salvador Hernandez Morales, Francisca's roommate. So where had Salvador been going in such a hurry earlier that day? Had he seen or interacted with Francesca? Was he the last person to see her alive? Or, as was becoming increasingly plausible, was he the reason she was dead? 
As forensic officers prepared Francesca's body to be transported to the mortuary for post-mortem, the police's highest order of priority was to trace her roommate. And an all-points bulletin, or APB, was put out for him and the 1994 white Ford Explorer registered in his name. Meanwhile, Francesca and Salvador's apartment was searched with a fine-tooth comb. Gradually, officers began to build a picture of life inside the apartment and get an insight into how the pair cohabited. There was a clear and obvious division between their things. She had her space and he had his. Amongst the detritus of everyday living, a stocked fridge, clothes in the wardrobe, books and ornaments, there were various items of interest to the police. Everything potentially useful was gathered up from clothing on the floor to toothbrushes in the bathroom, fingerprints on the door handle, and even the contents of the vacuum cleaner found inside the apartment. What they were looking for, well, they didn't know. Most crime scene searches aren't conducted to find a specific item, but instead to find anything which might have evidential value. It could be a clue that points to someone being present, someone who doesn't belong at the scene, It could be something out of place, bought in by a third party. It could be a piece of paper, a memory card, a human hair. Anything, in fact, which gives detectives a clearer picture of what has happened. In this case, however, it was information about the roommate which caught officers' attention. Investigators found a number of documents, including phone bills stuffed under a cushion on a sofa a Western Union receipt and a pay stub with a different address. Who did this belong to, wondered those officers. What connects this address with the apartment they were in? A quick check gave them their answer. The address on the pay stub was registered in Salvador's name. Bingo. Officers were dispatched immediately, hoping that they might find their first suspect. Lo and behold, those officers didn't even reach the address. As they approached, they spotted a white Ford Explorer idling just around the corner from the listed address. The driver looked shocked when an officer tapped on the car window, signalling for him to roll it down and he looked further confused and alarmed as he stepped out of the vehicle, repeating animatedly that the car wasn't his, saying that he'd borrowed it from a guy named Chabba, who was friends with his cousin. Officers knew not to take anything the man said at face value. They were investigating a homicide, and the man in front of them could be a killer. Sure, he looked a little different than the description they'd received, but they couldn't take any chances. The man was cuffed and led away from the white van, still protesting his innocence. Back at the police station, he was asked to give a statement. Only then did it transpire that the man in the van wasn't Salvador. He wasn't the roommate of the murdered Francesca, and he wasn't a suspect in her murder. The man went on to explain that his cousin, who he knew as Chabba, well, his real name was Salvador, 
and the apartment on the pay stub, the one he was parked just around the corner from, well, while it was registered to Salvador, it was actually his sister that lived there. She was tracked down by officers and interviewed at length. She too said she didn't know where her brother was. She told officers that he lived with his girlfriend, Kiki, which is colloquial shorthand for Francesca. This was the first time police had heard the assertion that Salvador Hernandez Morales, who was 29 at the time, was romantically involved with the 42-year-old Francesca Perea Dominguez. And it was something which Francesca's brother adamantly denied. But now one of them was dead and the other couldn't be found. The white van registered to Salvador was impounded and examined in a specialist forensic compound. But it offered little in the way of forensic evidence. There was, however, the infamous white cowboy hat left in the passenger seat alongside three passport-style photos of Francesca and official paperwork for Salvador, who was from Mexico, but in the US legally at the time. The plot was thickening. Had Francesca and Salvador been lovers, and her death the result of a lover's quarrel gone wrong? Or was he innocent of any crime, and had simply gone out of town and was yet to hear the news of his girlfriend's tragic fate? They needed to speak to Salvador, urgently. But as morning broke on the 3rd of July, Salvador failed to show up for work. His mobile wasn't connecting, and officers began to think it increasingly likely that he'd fled across the border to Mexico. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're enjoying Smoking Gun... Sign up to our brand new subscription site called What's the Story Crime. You can listen to every episode of the new series of Smoking Gun right now. 
You'll also get access to a whole collection of award-winning true crime content, including shows like The Missing and Crosshairs, all made by the makers of Smoking Gun and all of them ad-free. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes. Your support allows us to keep making more of the podcasts you love. At this stage, with only circumstantial evidence in play, the case dwindled to a halt. Salvador was a person of interest, yes, but there was nothing concrete tying him to Francisca's murder. The police couldn't establish a conclusive motive, and forensic links were tenuous too. DNA had been collected from semen stains found on a bloody white towel wrapped around Francisca's arm, on her pyjama bottoms, and in the sexual assault evidence gathered during her autopsy. And while they had the DNA from the semen left on Francisca's body during her sexual assault, they had no way to match this to her roommate, because Salvador wasn't on the DNA database. They needed a sample which was undeniably and definitely Salvador's, and couldn't have been contaminated by anyone else's. Until they got that, Salvador was in the wind. There wasn't even enough evidence to issue an official warrant for his arrest, despite the family's protests, her friend's despair, and the shock of everyone in the apartment complex. Unbeknownst to Denver police, Salvador Hernandez Morales had gone back to Mexico, and after three years in his home country, he had come back to the US a few years later. But his visa had, by now, expired, and as a result, he wasn't entitled to enter the US. It didn't take border officers long to recognise his status as an illegal alien, and Salvador was promptly deported back across the border. But the lack of warrant for his arrest in the case of Francisca's murder meant he wasn't detained. In fact, Denver police weren't even notified. It was a cruel, sliding-doors moment, which could so easily have turned out differently. As it stood, Francisca's case turned cold. And over the next ten years, life for her brother and their friends had to continue with no answers. Designating something a cold case never means that that particular case is closed. Far from it. The term simply indicates that there are no leads, no avenues for further investigation or open lines of inquiry. And that's how a case remains until something new comes along. Whether that's a confession, a new witness coming forward, or a new tip from members of the public, new evidence will be assessed and a decision made on whether it's sufficient to put a team of officers back on the case. In October of 2022, almost 16 years after Francisca's murder, there was a breakthrough. Forensic technology had evolved hugely and techniques which had previously been beyond the skills of scientists were now second nature. Alongside that, officers were being tasked with reviewing unsolved cases, a renewed push to clear the decks and bring some murderers to justice. In Colorado, one officer realised that the missing link between Salvador Hernandez Morales and the murder of his supposed girlfriend 
was a sample of his DNA. They had DNA which they believed belonged to her killer, but nothing to compare it to. But the officers did have a blue toothbrush, which had been collected from their shared apartment and stored by police. Could that join the dots? Forensic investigators did their work. They collected DNA from the toothbrush, and within a few days, they received the news they'd been hoping for. The sample matched the DNA found in semen collected after Francesca was sexually assaulted. They believe they could now prove that Salvador was their killer. But prosecutors weren't so sure. After all, they didn't know for certain that the toothbrush belonged to Salvador. Yes, the DNA matched, but it didn't yet prove beyond doubt that it was Salvador who had committed the crime. A new detective, who had been assigned to the case, read and reread the case notes. Without having Salvador in front of him, how could he capture a sample of his DNA? Well, the answer had been there all along. Ever since that nosy neighbour had first put officers on the scent of the mysterious roommate. The white cowboy hat. It was Salvador's single most distinguishing feature. He was never seen without it. And when he'd fled the crime scene, it was there on his head. And it was still being held in evidence, having been found in the white Ford Explorer van. The hat was sent out for DNA analysis. Any hairs or samples of saliva on the hat were likely to come from Salvador. If they could find DNA on the hat, then surely they had their case closed. The forensic lab took some time to come back, and their report was dense. It began by revealing that there was DNA located on the cowboy hat, and the DNA was not a match to the man who'd been arrested inside Salvador's car. They were definitely ruled out. The new detective read on. Instead, the DNA inside the cowboy hat was a match to both the blue toothbrush and the seminal fluid found inside Francisca. The officer sighed. So much time had passed since Francisca's murder, but the satisfaction of solving a case never staled, and DNA analysis was making it increasingly harder for suspects to evade justice. You simply can't outsmart science and technology, he thought to himself. The authorities finally had probable cause, and Salvador Hernandez Morales, now 45, was formally charged with first-degree murder after deliberation, first-degree murder and sexual assault. Local authorities immediately sought to have him extradited and returned to the US to face the charges. The only issue was that nobody knew where Salvador was. With Salvador's location still unknown, this remains the next challenge in this case. We will be working toward that process and returning him to Colorado to see justice is done, Senior Chief Deputy District Attorney Chris Wilcox announced ominously. Mexico doesn't have a death penalty, 
and has previously refused to extradite individuals who might face execution by their neighbour. But that ceased being an issue in Colorado as of March 2020, when the state formally abolished capital punishment. And while there is no telling how long it'll take before Salvador is located and the process of extradition started, everyone who knew Francesca, her friends, loved ones, neighbours and detectives on the case, old and new, are all praying for a swift resolution. Aurora Police Chief Dan Oates celebrated the achievement. I'm very proud to be standing here, he said in a press conference. I remember this horrific crime in 2006. It was my first year here. This is an example of the commitment and tenacity of this organisation, going after folks who commit horrible crimes no matter how long it takes. I'm very proud of the patrol officers who responded that night and their preservation of evidence and the work they did that led to this moment. Salvador Hernandez Morales remains innocent of the crime while he continues to evade capture. But the officers in this case believe he will one day face trial and go to prison for the violent murder of Francesca. Smoking Gun is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's narrated by me, Sarah Henderson. And by me, Tracy Alexander. The series is supported by Forensic Response UK. Our work promotes the international fight to improve forensic techniques, to share ideas and develop the crime-solving scientific advances of the future. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give it a rating and review and help to spread the word. You can listen to a new episode of Smoking Gun every week wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to listen to all episodes right now, you can find them completely ad-free on our subscription channel, What's the Story Crime. On there, you'll also get exclusive access to a whole bunch of bonus interviews led by me, where I speak to some of the most experienced and skilled forensic scientists from around the world and find out more about what they do. Those interviews are only available on What's the Story Crime. There's also a whole range of brilliant true crime content all made by the same team. You can check out The Missing, with more than 60 episodes all about long-term missing people, which invites you to try and help solve the case. You'll also find exclusive series like Jigsaw, true crime investigations like 900 Degrees, and incredible stories told over several parts. Whatever you're into, if you enjoy listening to Smoking Gun, we're sure you'll find your next must-listen podcast on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just search for What's the Story Crime. Subscribe, and you'll get all your favourite shows ad-free. For listeners on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or any other platform, all you need to do is click the link in our show notes or visit www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. Your subscription helps to ensure we can keep making more of the content you love. And it costs just 3 dollars per month. 
Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.